Part of this morning is just this time of offering up thanksgiving and that aspect together of being able to, to do that. And when we get done just with this moment, we're, we're going to just take a brief moment in the Word this morning, and then we're going to share in communion together. But as we're talking through this, I just would ask that you would just take a moment and think upon that which you are thankful for. If you were to summarize this year or this maybe the last few months of what you're thankful for, how would you summarize that within a sentence or two? What could you say? And the truth is, is that that's a pretty difficult task to have, hopefully, that we've seen the Lord work in different ways and we pronounce His greatness and we walk in a thankfulness with Him. And so this morning, I just want us to take a look briefly at Colossians. In Colossians 1, we're actually given a picture of Paul's letter here or his words of encouragement to the people of Colossae. It's important to understand that the people of Colossae were fighting against false teachers. Their faith was under attack. There were those that were trying to push them back to the law. And Paul is coming to share, listen, I want to encourage you to stand firm on the grace, the message that I gave you before. And so Paul says to them, he actually here in a moment will actually give a picture of the way in which he's praying for them. And that way actually matters. In fact, because our focus is on thanksgiving, he helps us define what thanksgiving is. That thanksgiving is not necessarily a declaration of who God is, but rather it's an expression to God of which we are grateful for what He's done. That's the difference between thanksgiving and praise. One is a declaration of who God is. The other is an expression of what He's done. And so he says here in Colossians 1, 9-10, he says that he or they have not ceased to pray for you, that is, the saints in Colossae, asking that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will, that is, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then he moves on in verse 11, and he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So along with Timothy, they're praying on behalf of the saints in Colossae to both discern the will of God and experience his awesome power in their lives. That's the prayer that we should be having for one another, and it's the prayer that we should be having for ourselves. This idea of discernment for God's will. That should be an active part of our prayer life. Think about this for a moment, that it doesn't mean that we don't put our petitions before the Lord. It doesn't mean that we don't come to Him boldly and ask for what we we desire, the hearts that we desire. But as a part of that asking, God has called us to ask for His will. 
Too often what happens in prayer life is our prayer life is one of asking of God, and then when God doesn't answer the way that we desire it, is to become disappointed or disgruntled or even dismayed with God. Here Paul is asking for them to to know the will, to experience his discernment. You see, this knowledge comes from the Spirit illuminating and empowering His Word in our lives so that we might be fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's why he prays this. He says that He's not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what he's asking. He's asking that, they, that we might up, abide in Him, that we might experience this abundant life. We're to bear fruit of His work in our life. And the way that we bear fruit is by actually knowing and seeing His will. He reveals it both in His Word, and then He directs it by the prompting of His Spirit and the empowerment of His Spirit. We just read 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Give thanks. How often? Constantly, unceasingly. Why? Because this is the will of God. This week I was up at, uh, up at Hillsburg High School and some of you guys know that Tyler transferred up there this year from Windsor. And we've been really encouraged just by what we've seen in this school. We've, we've, we've really enjoyed his high school experience there. And so this week, uh, one of the things that I really have valued is that every month, the principal does a coffee with the principal day. And so you just go in and you sit with them and ask them questions. And I thought, ah, we'll see how many people are there. I walked in, there were four of us. I was the fourth and I was late. And so kind of walked in and was like, am I in the right place? Like, is this, you know, and I sat down and, and I just was there to listen, but I was actually there because I was encouraged by the fact that he was meeting with parents. I was encouraged that he was listening. And so there were other parents, the other three were asking questions and kind of talking about business and different things that they wanted to see. And so they kind of looked at me and they're like, why are you here? And I was like, well, um, I can add to a couple parts of your conversation, but actually why I'm here is because it's very easy to find things that are critical. And I just want to let you know, I really am blessed by what you guys are doing. I'm really thankful for the fact that you are engaged with students. I see your hearts in it. And I'm really thankful that you take time to meet with parents. And it's good for us to hear the good things, not just the bad things. I think we live in a world where we find and pick apart the bad things. I think it's why Jesus calls us to a place where we are to be a thankful people, that we see our lives as blessed, that they're blessed in Jesus, that they are not cursed, that Jesus owes us nothing, nothing. 
but he gave us everything, everything of worth which is of himself. And so discerning the will of God is what he's called us to, is that we might know his word with all spiritual understanding. We might know what his word says, and we might know where his spirit leads, that we might know his voice. That's the greatest thing for the believer to know, is to know his word and to know his voice. We pray that for one another. Because when we know his word and we know his voice and we respond to those, we bear fruit. Not because of anything that we're done, but because of what Christ does in us. His spirit works in us, moves in us. And in John 15, we're told the result of that. In verse 7 and 8, it says this. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now what he's not saying is, is I want a trip to the Bahamas and if I just go ahead and say, well, if I live for you, Lord, you're going to give it to me. What he is saying is that if you live for him and for his will, your heart becomes aligned with his. The things that you begin to seek are not the things that are for yourself, but are for him and his kingdom. And it is the abundant life. It is that as we walk with him, that he receives glory. The second thing that the saints pray for is his power. His power. It says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. His glorious might. Picture this. He's saying, I want your glorious might. I want believers to have your might which brings him glory. Your strength which shows himself off. Not me, but him. And all of a sudden, it becomes clear why we need to be weak. Why God takes us through trials. Why He allows us to suffer. Why we can feel broken or off. Why He allows us to come to the end in our own strength. Because it is for His glory that His might be seen. But that we might experience it. For all what? Patience and endurance, right? Right? You see, the abundant life is not about abundant gifts of the world. It's about the abundant presence of Jesus. That's what it's about. And because of his presence, there is power. And so he prays that we might have what? Discernment and power. How does that change our prayer lives? God's saying that for one another, we ought to be praying that we have the discernment of God's will and his power more than anything else. That means that we can pray for trials and hurts to be removed. It means that we can pray for division in our culture to be removed. It means that we can pray for restoration of relationship. But ultimately, what God is desiring of us is that we might be people who are discerning in His Spirit 
and who are experiencing His power. And in so doing, regardless of what we face, regardless if we walk in, good, bad, indifferent, what people see is not us, but Christ. And so then he says this. He says, after saying, may you be strengthened with all power according to glorious might, he draws us right into what we've been doing today. And he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. When we pray for the discernment of God's will and we pray for His power, the truth is it will produce in us thanksgiving. You see, praying for the Spirit's discernment and power should move us to regularly give thanks as we, re- we, we witness His redemptive work. When we're seeing that change in our lives, when we're seeing the movement of His Spirit in us, we're understanding His will for us, we're walking in that, so we're walking in a manner that pleases Him. And we look at ourselves and say, well, I would have never done that before. I don't even know how I got through that, Lord. Where did those words come from, God? And I begin to be reminded of His power at work, not just in me, but I begin to be reminded of the power and work of the cross. He he says here, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Think about these words. What are we giving thanks for? An inheritance. An inheritance that is in Jesus. Galatians 4, we are now heirs with Christ. This is good news. We inherit a kingdom that is not here. Who's qualified us? The Father. We didn't qualify ourselves. He qualified us. He opens our eyes. We respond in repentance and faith. And we share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now the other words there, what does he say? He transferred us or he delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption. So we have inheritance, and then we have deliverance. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. Charles Spurgeon says, Beloved, we are still tempted by Satan, but we are not under his power. We have to fight with him, but we are not his slaves. He's not our king. He has no rights over us. We do not obey him. We will not listen to his temptations. It's the beauty of his deliverance. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. We were once slaves in darkness. And he's delivered us. And he didn't just deliver us. He didn't just drop us off as a, like a hitchhiker on a road and then throw us out the door. He transferred us. He delivers and then transfers us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So He takes us on the journey. He pulls us out. He delivers us from the day of darkness. But then He brings us right into the best place that we can be. Into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Do you see this? 
You see where thanksgiving comes from? It comes from our inheritance. It comes from our deliverance. It comes from our being transferred into His kingdom. Who for redemption grants us forgiveness of sins. Do we know what to be thankful for? His inheritance, His deliverance, His transfer, and His forgiveness. That's the gospel. And when we pray, asking for discernment and for His power, and we witness that in our lives, it's a reminder, a constant reminder of His redemptive work. It is why when we pray in this way, it should produce in us thanksgiving. If our life is just a series of wants and avoidances, and that's much of prayer, we will never be reminded of His redemptive power. But when we pray with God, this is the desire of my heart, but not my will, your will. And when we pray, God, if you so choose not to remove me from this circumstance, I know you will give me the power to walk through it because you have delivered me from the ultimate circumstance. And that moves us to a place of thanksgiving. Our prayer lives move us to a place of thanksgiving. And for many We often hear it said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, but God did not answer, so he must not be present or real. The truth is, is that God was never intended to be our personal genie in a bottle. Our prayer life is for the purpose of communicating with our Creator with our Savior, with our Lord. And by that prayer, by that prayer, God responds in granting us His discernment. He responds by granting us His power. But He never promised to remove us from our circumstances. He only promised to be the comforter through them. He only promised to be the one who would be the deliverer and transferer in the midst of our eternal death. You see, in this life, He is our deliverer. But that deliverance may include deliverance from this life. And the promise is we will be transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, our circumstances are not an excuse to reactively act out, but rather an opportunity to give thanks, knowing that the same God who redeemed us with purpose is the same God who empowers us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Ultimately, praying in the spirit will lead us to give thanks. And I want to ask us this morning, is your prayer life leading you to thanksgiving? Or are you finding greater frustration with the Lord? I want to encourage you to begin to pray in this way for God's will to be known and seen. For His power to be witnessed 
and experienced. So that in each of us, what might come forth is not a spirit of discouragement, but a spirit of thanksgiving. Knowing that we have become heirs with Christ, that we inherit the kingdom of God, delivered from the domain of darkness, that we have been transferred, and that we have been forgiven. You see, thanksgiving and prayer go hand in hand. And not only does praying in the Spirit bring communion, but it produces confidence. Confidence rooted in God's redeeming work on our behalf. And it is in this confidence, in His personal redemption, that we can give thanks in all circumstances, even those which require all endurance and patience with joy. See, our prayer lives matter. And that's what Paul's saying. Our prayer lives matter. And what matters is that in our prayer lives, it should produce in us thanksgiving. A reminder of his redemptive power and his redemptive work. And my hope is that this thanksgiving, that we are a people who are praying for the discernment and understanding of his will, that we are a people who are praying for his power. And that rather than seeing what is in front of us or even what is behind us, we are a people who are giving thanks always because we see ourselves as a blessed people, a redeemed people who have inherited the kingdom of God, that have been delivered from darkness, who have been transferred to the kingdom of his Son, and who have been forgiven. What a wonderful thing to be thankful for. And what a wonderful way in which we can always remain thankful. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, you are gracious. And as we take communion in a few moments here, God, I pray that we would each know your will that we would be able to discern it clearly and that you would empower us to walk in it with all patience, with all endurance, in all joy. That God, that our lives would not be markers of, of something that is of the world. But I pray that our lives would declare the truth of your glory. We ask these things in your name. Amen.